You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Break a Bat podcast where baseball meets Broadway. An attempt to show that my two favorite mediums don't have to live in such separate worlds and maybe even break some stigmas. We're happy to have you with us. Now let's play ball. Hello and welcome to Break a Bat, where baseball meets Broadway and sports meets show business. I'm your host, Al Malafrante, coming at you from the batter's box uh, with a pretty exciting episode for you because uh, everyone here knows I'm a baseball fan first, as much as I love the New York Yankees. And I've said before about one of the most poignant memories of my baseball fandom being 12 years old, Manhasset Middle School. And the 2002 Anaheim Angels shocking the world during that postseason. Granted, they knocked out my New York Yankees to do it in the ALDS. But man, what a poignant time to be a baseball fan. And uh, we're fortunate that we're actually welcoming the second member of that championship team uh, into the batter's box throughout our show's history here. I think it's uh, the timing couldn't even be better than it is right now because we're celebrating the 20th anniversary of that team and uh, certainly a key player on that squad is uh, who we're lucky enough to have join us today. He spent a total of 14 years in the big leagues. He was the 2002 ALCS MVP. He hit 312 for the Angels that year when they went on to win the World Series. He played on another uh, Anaheim Angels postseason team in 2005 and he amassed almost 1,500 hits for his career. So we are just so excited to welcome him today. So with that being said, I ask you all to please turn your attention to home plate just beyond the marquee. Now batting, Adam Kennedy. Adam, welcome, my friend. What an intro, Al. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, you know, it brings you back to your time in New York. I'm, you know, kind of like, you know, Bob Shepard, you know, introducing you to the uh, New York crowd. No, definitely. So who was the first... Uh, 2002 member you had on, on the podcast, Alex Ochoa, one of my favorite favorite guests. Great teammate, great great guy. Uh, how's Alex doing? Yeah, he's been doing pretty well. You know, he's uh, he's actually working with the um, he's working with the Scott Boris Corp now. Actually, okay, great. Yeah, so he's on the agency side of things now, and you're still pretty involved sure. with the game. It seems like, right? Um, yeah, you know. A lot on the youth side, just locally, you know, um, I have a nine-year-old that, that's heavily involved with sports. So uh, just get on the field any chance we can and uh, do some stuff with, with the Angels uh, from time to time. But um, always enjoy, um, you know, being around the game and, and being on the field and stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, you've been out of the game for what? It's been about about a decade oh, I, um, wow exactly a decade now do you ever get the uh itch to be more involved maybe on like the major league coaching side or you know maybe even you know starting off in the minor leagues yeah you know uh I've, I've reached out a little bit here and there just the opportunity has not presented itself in the correct way you know um but i do enjoy being um 
home for my for my little guy and and um you know you miss a lot of that stuff when you're when you're on the road so you know um it would have to be a really good situation but as of right now everything is all good and um happy as be now let me ask you are you rocking the o2 ring today as you join us in the batter's box no, I'm not. I have not seen that ring since the day I got it. Uh, I'll have to hunt my dad down and, and get that from him one of these days. Oh, you, get, you gave it, him the ring? Yeah, he has it. So he holds it tight to his vest. So, um, you know, I have to pry that away from him at, at some point. Oh, my God. Now, I mentioned you guys did knock out my Yankees in that ALDS, but and it shocked me, of course. You know, I was coming off a uh, a run there as a Yankee fan where they had won, you know, they had been in five of the last six World Series. They had won four, four of those championships. And Yankees are a 103-win team that year. Angels wild card, underdogs. Um, can you take me back 20 years ago, what you remember about that Angels team going into the postseason before you faced the Yankees? Sure. You know, um, really none of us had any postseason experience. So, you know, we, we, we had, we didn't have that to hang our hat on. What we did have was we were a confident group. We had a phenomenal second half of the year and uh, we always played good against the Yankees. So, so, you know, there was no lack of, of confidence going into the playoffs, but you know, you know, you're going up against, uh, the big boys in New York, and they're used to that, and um, it was going to be um, a challenge. But what an experience going to New York. I mean, we all had our friends and family out there, and um, just a great experience um, just from leaving the hotel in New York, headed to the stadium, just a, a, a really fun day. My, my friends and family still talk about to this day of um, getting a police escort to the stadium and uh, it was a little, it was, it was cold and kind of wet and, um, and we played phenomenal that game. We really did. Uh, I think Bernie hit a three run home run in the eighth to take the lead and the stadium was rocking. It was, uh, I remember being on second base and you could feel the stadium shaking. Um, so we ended up losing game one with Bernie's home run. And then I just remember being in the clubhouse after the game and everybody was like, oh, that was the most amazing time. You know, like we all had a great time. We could have cared less that we lost. Like we played good and we just, we really kicked their ass the rest of the series. Um, and it was uh, kind of just a real, that even losing game one, just how we played the whole experience, everything was uh, a huge uh, booster for us uh, through the rest of the playoffs. Interesting. So you even managed to find the positive going down 0-1 at Yankee Stadium. And because you obviously you found some positivity because you had a great series. You had 500 in that series. So you were doing something right. But that's amazing that you could take, you know, a, a pretty intimidating situation and deficit to that caliber of a team and, you know, use it as, I guess, you know, looking on the bright side. Yeah, the, the, we played great that that entire game. We, we, we all we played great. We pitched great. Um and the one thing that they got us with was um, beating our bullpen. Well, our bullpen was the strength of our team. So, so you pretty much know that wasn't going to be the case the entire series, or you hope not. But, but um, it wasn't like you know we struggled to compete or anything. So, just the, the feeling of we were pretty much in control of the entire game. What you know, a, a couple bad innings there, 
but um, but but yeah, just uh, the experience was what uh, was amazing and just led us with some uh, good confidence the rest of the way. Now, which of those Yankees? Because the Yankees had a great staff that year. They had Clemens, Pettit, Moose and Boomer Wells, which of those guys gave you the most trouble who, you know, I guess that maybe it surprised you the most that you ended up having success against. Uh, we always played the Yankees well, you know, um, and personally, I, I, you know, probably didn't have many bats off of Pettit, but, but Clemens and, and Moose, I definitely, you know, not that I didn't have a problem, but you always, you, you know, want to face the best pitchers and, so your confidence level, you know, rises and your concentration level uh, is at all time high against those guys. So you just try to have good at bats and, and you know, um, you know, one thing that I never really walked into the batter's box with any sort of uh, self doubt. So that was never really an issue regardless of who you're facing. If you do that, you, you don't really have a chance at that level. Now I mentioned you had a very good. 2002 season you hit 312 which i believe was the highest on the team that year um you had seven home runs during the regular season you hit one against the yankees in the alds and then all of a sudden you're facing the minnesota twins and you put up one of the most iconic postseason performances of all time you hit three home runs in a game which seldom happens can you tell can you tell the folks at home just what was going on at that point where you just got this like power surge that uh you you know you've propelled the angels to their first ever world series, uh, largely, you know, it was a team effort, but you were really the guy who put them on their back and won the MVP for it. Yeah, just, you know, I really can't explain it other than just one of those days of, of everything kind of coming together. Um, I wasn't really having a good series leading up to that game. And then I, and then even that morning, I wasn't feeling great in the cages. So, um, it really was, you know, I, I, I was struggling a little bit after the Yankee series, you know, the first couple of games of Minnesota weren't great. Um, but then, you know, I just remember um, kind of wanting to be aggressive. My first bat that game, I uh, hit a first pitch home run against um, uh, May, I believe. And then um, it kind of went from there. So, so, you know, one swing can always change your, change your confidence level and, and change from struggling a little bit to, to being hot. And that's kind of what happened that day. Oh, it was unbelievable. And obviously, you know, you guys go on to the World Series. One of my favorite World Series in general, just, I mean, that seven-game classic against San Francisco and you had Barry Bonds, you know, putting up an all-time performance, obviously. And nonetheless, I mean, you guys came back in that epic game six. Like, when you look back on it now, like, what stands out the most from the World Series that year? How... You, you know, a lot of things. It was a great series, um, kind of back and forth the entire series, game to game. You know, we got kind of beat up in San Francisco a little bit. Um, and then, and then um, you know, game six, not really going our way. But but we we had a lot of confidence as a group, especially offensively and, and our, our bullpen. So, uh, you know, even when we would get down throughout the regular season or, or in the playoff run, you know, we knew that our bullpen would keep keep us close, and our offense would eventually break through majority of the time. And that's kind of what happened in in Game Six, which is kind of uh, the telltale sign of like our entire season, right? Like like coming together in one game where we needed. Um, so uh, once we won Game Six, we knew uh, it was going to be tough 
for uh, for San Fran to come back and get us in Game Seven. And you had the rally monkey behind you too. That I think I think I, that that's like unlike anything I've ever seen. You talk about like a twenty six man being you know a zoo animal. I don't think we'll ever see anything like that again. <laughs> right. I mean, I don't even remember how it all came up. Came you know pop, got got so popular. But um, yeah, next thing you know, there's this monkey all over the place, and you know uh, we're just like kind of shaking our heads at, at each other, like what's going on here. But but uh, everybody loved it, and uh, you know whatever whatever it takes to get the crowd involved and get some get some wins. Now I know you didn't keep the World Series ring. It's very cool that you gave that to your dad. What'd you keep from that O2 playoff run? Did you keep uh, some memorabilia that you have displayed nicely around the house? Sure, I, you know. No, not at the moment. I have it all kind of tucked away in one bag that that really gets uh, you know ruffled through a little bit from time to time by my by my boys, um, and they like to to, to uh, take a look at it. But um, in due time, I'll bring all that stuff out and maybe make a cool cool display for for everybody. Yeah, man, you should. I mean, I mean, you're you're probably considered Angels fandom royalty. I mean, just, I mean, it's like, I feel like there's so much, there's I, people look back on that so fondly and we're in an age of nostalgia now, especially in baseball, because, uh, I mean, as you've seen, look how much the game has changed since 2002. Does it ever amaze you that we're, you know, kind of in the place that we're in with, you know, this three true outcome mentality and all the analytics and sabermetrics? Is it like tough for you to see what it's become on that front? Yeah, you know, <laughs> I'm kind of, you know, yeah, some of the old time players have a really rough time with just, you know, kind of accepting a little bit of the analytics or um, I'm a believer in just that there's uh, probably some place for both sides. Uh, the problem is that the, the front offices are run so in depth by the analytical side that the the, the true um, traditional baseball um sense or coach is kind of being pushed out and, and that part is frustrating because there's no computers that are going to hit a baseball you know there is there is a a level of um what's inside somebody to help them succeed that computers can't uh see or read and there is such a thing as being hot and being cold and and the analysts don't take that into consideration um and that's those are real things you know, so so um, I'm I'm I 100% understand that there's uh, analytics are here, but I but I really think there's a place for for the two to be married, and and that would um, you know be the ultimate goal for, and, and I think the best team would would you know be utilized to to use use them both and and succeed at the, at the highest level with both of them. So do you think your former former manager, a guy like Mike Sosha, does he have a future as a major league manager or a guy like a Bruce Bochy, let's say, or you don't think that, you know, you talk about marrying the two. Do you think that these front offices are like too uh, one track minded to consider bringing in an old school guy like that? Yeah. You know, um, a, a good, a good example is we're going to see how it works with uh, Showalter, Showalter and, um, and Epler in New York, because, Epler is a um, huge analytics uh, uh, guy, um, very much so. It was kind of his downfall here in Anaheim where he tried to push it real real hard and it wasn't accepted um, with with everybody. So, And then you know Showalter's got 
um, an old school mentality, but he's also a bright man who probably knows um, there is room for it as well. So, so I'm curious to see how that goes um, uh, in, in, in there. And that'll be a great example. But uh, my associate, you know, you mentioned his name. He's a brilliant man. So for these guys to not understand there's a little bit of room for, I think that's naive. I think, I think my associate would definitely be willing to, to listen to, uh, to that side and be able to, to combine the two. My associate is a great people's person and a great baseball man. And, um, you know, I'd love to see him back in a dugout. Now, uh, I, I really hope that, uh, yeah, I hope, I mean, listen, I'm a Yankee fan. I hope it goes well with Buck Showalter though, because I, you know, obviously he, he has a very talented team at his disposal and I'd like to see, um, him have success just for the reason of getting more guys back in the dugout, like a Sosha, like a Bruce Bochy, for example, you know, a little bit more of that old school feel. I just, I mean, the game has changed so much. Obviously things are never inevitably going to evolve, but, um, yeah, I think that the product that we've seen out on the field, it, the, let's say the past three, four years, especially, it's just like, I mean, it's such a far cry from when you played, you know? Yeah, you, the one the one thing I is frustrating for me as a fan because I watch a lot of baseball. I mean, every night um, we're big baseball fans, so so I love it. Um, you know, the one thing that's a little frustrating on the offensive end is the acceptance of you know bat at bats, strikeouts. You know, when we when we had bat at bats, when we had strikeouts, we took it personally, and you know, you get the sense that because the players know the front offices aren't valuing hits or good at bats as much anymore that they, the players accept strikeouts. The players accept, um, you know, lackluster at bats because they're no, their bosses are accepting it. So, so as a player, you'd like to see the guys, you know, um, grind it out a little bit more and have those good at bats. Take your base hits. Look at big league pitching is tough. You know, we can't just sit up there um, looking to drive the ball out of the park every pitch. It's not realistic. The pitches are too good. You've got to take your base hits, and base hits become doubles and, and home runs and so forth. But, but to sit up there and just create this uh, launch, launch angle type approach is, um, is naive on, on their end. Um, and, and, you know, hopefully they can come together as two. Now, uh, we obviously had the recent Hall of Fame announcement and a guy that you competed against in the 2002 World Series and Barry Bonds, among other guys that you competed against, um, like Roger Clemens, fell off the ballot. Uh, being a, what we know as a clean guy from that steroid era, how do you feel about this? Do you think that these guys should be let into the Hall of Fame? Yeah, yeah you know, the problem is that there's no, there's no guarantee that everybody that hasn't been, um, that, that has been inducted was clean as well. You know, that, that era of baseball is very kind of uh, cloudy and, and who was doing what. So, so it's, uh, it's frustrating for me to kind of see the best players not kind of get their due. I understand the, uh, the, the trouble that they caused or just kind of what the hoopla that was surrounded in it, but it's part of, it's part of the game, you know, and, and um, it says a big story about baseball, you know, and to not have them in the game, Pete Rose included, you know, Barry, Roger, I think uh, all those guys tell a big story of, of this game. And, and, 
in my eyes, that's kind of what the Hall of Fame is about. You know, the, the history of the game and, and the biggest stories from that era. And, and they're a huge, huge part of, of that era and the story that comes along with it. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing that bothers me the most is just the fact that I have reason to believe that there's, you know, arguably two or three guys that are in there already that probably use performance enhancing drugs. And then now you have a new breed of writers who are starting to make their way to the ballots that might vote an Alex Rodriguez in who actually served a suspension and admitted to doing steroids, getting voted in yet bonds and Clemens aren't, which is just like that. The whole system is so flawed now, you know, and Pete Rose still isn't in. So it's just like, I, I, the hall of fame does almost without them in it. It's and considering who's already there, just like has lost a little bit of its luster for me, you know? Yeah. The, the, the criteria is just so cloudy. I, I, I can't, you know, um, I would, you know, I can't quite comprehend why somebody would vote for someone who we all kind of maybe suspect, um, and vote them in and then, and then not so with, with, you know, um, Barry P Rose Roger. So, so, you know, it, it's, uh, that part of it is frustrating. There's just no simple criteria. It's just kind of, uh, Throw, throw it up in the air and, and whoever gets in gets in type of thing. Now, being a clean guy in that era, when you look back on it now, do you feel an extra sense of pride that you had the staying power that you did in baseball and pretty much an everyday player your entire career? Do you, do you give yourself a little pat in the back knowing you did it the right way when you look back on it? Um, I, the, the, it was never really presented to me like that. I was kind of too young at that point when it was really kind of at the peak or kind of at the end so so maybe if i if it was presented to me and i had a choice and i chose not to but it really was never presented to me so there's really no you know pat on the back because it just wasn't an option for at the time for me you know i was really young when it was there and then and then by by the time i was getting older it was it was illegal so so it wasn't a huge it wasn't like i had to make a look in the mirror make a uh, a decision of which route I'm going to go it wasn't real. I wasn't really faced with that, so I just kind of I played how I played, and you know, um, you didn't, we weren't really thinking too much about it in the moment. Like you know what I mean? You kind of knew what was going on, but you really just it wasn't a huge deal at the, at the time. Yeah. Now, uh, when you would come to New York, I do have to know, because we are a baseball meets Broadway podcast. Were you catching many shows uh, here on Broadway? Never made it to a show, but but we loved, you know, uh, going on a weekend because you would usually play a, a Saturday Saturday day game for like Fox or something. So you knew you would have uh, Saturday evening to, you know, try one of the great restaurants in town or, you know, just get out in the city and, and, and you know, have a drink or but um, I never made it to a show wasn't wasn't on my agenda, but I, I love New York City. And to be able to go out in the evening and, and, and you know, a summer evening in New York was uh, was a great time. And, and uh, we always enjoyed going there. Where were your go-to uh, dinner spots? Oh, man. I I think, like, Tao was getting real, was real popular at the time. So we kind of were, were hitting that up a lot. And then just, um, you know, you would kind of ask the clubhouse guys for some recommendations. And they set it up for you and, and kind of go from there. Now, when you were out and about in the town, would you ever come across uh, Derek Jeter or Alex Rodriguez uh, living up the New York nightlife? 
Yeah, you know, you can always uh, count on seeing uh, Jeter out there a little bit. Um, so, so in New York, we would see him from time to time, um, and he was always, uh, you know, more than generous to everybody and, and treated everybody great. And then even in Orange County, you know, you'd come and, and see him around town, and um, he always had a, a good-looking group of uh, people with him. So uh, he was always he was always great to me. So so it was always good to see uh, him out and about. Now, uh, Adam, you obviously accomplished quite a bit in your major league career. And um, we talked a little bit about how baseball has changed. And there are certain players out there now throwing, you know, 100 miles an hour on the reg as a pitcher. But none throw faster than Araldus Chapman. Uh, fastest throwing man ever, kind of the face of the baseball meets Broadway community. We do a little segment in his honor to put you back in the batter's box. We call it fastball derby. I want you to imagine me as a Rawlis Chapman throwing 105 miles an hour, asking you questions in the form of pitches. Um, you got to think quick because it's obviously coming at a record setting speed. I'll ask you a question. You tell me the first thing that comes to your mind. How does that sound? Sounds good. Let's do it. Toughest pitcher you ever had to face? Mariano Rivera. How about a guy you owned? Derek Lowe. That's a, that's a that's a pretty good one. Former All Star pitcher to own. Teammate of yours that would make the best Broadway performer. Uh, Troy Percival. Theatrical guy. I could see that. All time favorite film. Film. Mm-hmm. Um, Bull Durham. Fact about Adam Kennedy that would surprise people the most. Oh, that's a good one. Um, I don't even have any idea. I'm pretty o- open book. Uh, I don't know. I don't. I, I, I don't even know if I can have a good answer for you there. Um, don't know. I don't. I I I think I'm a great cook, but I'm really not. All right, so Adam. All right, so Adam Kennedy, a master of cuisine, potentially could surprise people. Okay, okay. How's it going? Um, <laughs> one at bat you want back? Uh, the fourth at bat of my my three home runs, I should have went for a fourth home run. I end up getting a base hit. I was trying not to be greedy. I should have been greedy. <laughs> Best team you played on that didn't win the World Series? Uh, t- uh, 2007 Cardinals. You had Pujols there. Scott Rowland was there, right? That was a good team. Carter, Wainwright. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, good, good group of players. Hey, well, that was the actually, yeah, that was the year after they won it all in yeah. 06. Go figure. Yeah. Yeah. And that's it must have been a cool homecoming for you, too, since you came up sure. with St. Louis. Yeah, no, it was great. What's the proudest moment of your career? Um obviously winning World Series. That's kind of cheating. So I will go with my year in Oakland. I had a phenomenal time in Oakland. I just got released by St. Louis, kind of like in limbo of what to do. Um, 
and I got traded to Oakland and had a great time there. Love, love playing for the A's. And lastly, what's the best piece of advice anyone ever gave you? Oh man, the list is long. Um, you know, keeping it baseball wise, um, you know, today, today's game is the biggest game of the year. I like that one. That's good stuff, Adam. Man, this was such a great chat. Thank you so much for joining us today. You got it, Al, man. Anytime. All right, folks, that'll do it from the batter's box. This is Al Malafrante signing off. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Break a Bat. This is produced by the fine folks at the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit and subscribe at bpn.fm slash breakabat. You can find me online at break underscore a underscore bat underscore podcast. And you can also find the Broadway Podcast Network on Instagram at Broadway Podcast Network. It's been so great having you here with us today, and we'll see you next time. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.